Welcome to another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Today we have drummer extraordinaire Tim Baltus on the show, speaking with our good friend Michael Crawford, who's making another guest appearance as a guest host for us. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about Tim? Yeah, um, Tim is a drummer from Kenosha, Wisconsin, who has built a kind of an Instagram community for drummers. Um, he posts humorous stuff, um, does audio engineering, um, does drumless tracks that are pretty cool, and uh, he's been featured, his recordings have been featured for Disney, uh, 21st Century Fox, uh, among others. Um, yeah, check out his website, timbaltus.com. Has he done much in the way of like session work? Yeah, um, he does remote sessions, and like I said, those are some of his clients. So yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, I get you. Yeah, I mean, I I found him um, through that Instagram community you were talking about, and his mm -hmm. his videos on there are both hilarious and also just impressive. Like in the same ten seconds, you'll he'll be being ridiculous, but also like kind of showing you his knowledge behind the kit all at once and it's kind of a unique take on like a drum centered channel i would say um but yeah i'm really excited to hear you guys chatting just because i feel like he's got like this huge vibrant personality and you guys obviously both have that percussion background um but yeah this is going to be our episode with tim baltus thanks for coming back on the show michael and i uh, hope you guys dig it thanks How's it going, Tim? Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, man! Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful day. I'm uh, looking out on the neighborhood. Everything is peaceful and quiet and good, man. So how how's things on your end? Uh, it's good. It's a nice day down here. Um, I assume you're yeah. in Wisconsin, as your name implies. I am. Cool. I mean, listen, you know, I had cheese curds for dinner last night. If that doesn't tell you where I am, then I don't know what will. I think you said enough. <laughs> um, sounds pretty good. They don't really have those down here. So, yeah, down here in the great state of South Carolina. Um, well, again, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. Um, really appreciate it. We've had a bunch of strange guests, but um, not too many drummers. So I'm excited. I'm always excited to... Uh, Talk to other drummers, not about gear necessarily, but um, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, none of that. So, um, anyway, yeah, I know this is probably. I think you've actually you've been on a couple of podcasts recently, right? Were you on four? Was it four on the floor? I was on. Uh, oh gosh, now you're gonna you're gonna test me. No, no, no uh, you're testing so me. I, let's see here. I was on. Uh, Dumb and Drummer, which is a new podcast uh, by Jeff, uh, who does transcription work for Drumeo. Oh, uh, the right, Harry, okay, yeah. the, the Harry Man Show, which is a drum-based podcast. Uh, the only other, well, let's see here. Oh, I was on Big Fat Five, uh, the Big Fat Snare Drum podcast, Drumeo, Gab, Drum Brigade, all sorts of stuff. So I'm, 
I'm a, I'm a veteran, I think, of drum podcast world, and uh, I'm I'm actually niche. really pumped to be. Hey, yeah, and I'm I'm happy to be here because one of my favorite guests I saw you guys had Joe Lally on uh, from Fugazi, who was when I was a kid that was one of the bass players I looked up to when I was playing bass in bands. Yeah, um, that was Dylan, I believe, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> excellent call. And Joe was you know happy to come up. We're grateful to have Joe. I got to see Joe with a. Uh, Mesthetics, like, what was it, a year and a half ago, two years ago, actually. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, a little drummer y drummer, but yeah, no gear. Gear's off limits, unless it comes up. But um, I would like to take like an obligatory uh, journey through your, through your drumming route because I guess if the listeners may not know, you've been. You're in a ton of bands. You've been, you're uh, part of the Instagram drumming community. Um, mm-hmm. Comedy and all. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, so um, I guess you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it started, How do you get from here to there? Yeah, it's it's been a heck of a journey, dude. I'm gonna tell you. Um, I started playing bass when I was 12 years old. Um, you know, hence why I was this big Joe Lally fan. I was playing in a punk band Mm -hmm. and it was, it was such a funky band. We called ourselves Francophone, uh, which means a French speaker. And, uh, we, we listened to bands like we had, it was this three kids, me and my two best friends who were 12. And then the singer's older brother was our guitar player. He was, uh, 14, 15 at the time. So he was bringing us music like Fugazi, Shellac. Uh, bad brains, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all this sort of funky stuff, and so that sent me down the rabbit hole of all, you know, Discord stuff, New York stuff, punky stuff in general, funky stuff in general, and so, um, you know, that's kind of why I have such a wide breadth of knowledge, and and that kind of went with me in music. I started playing drums in bands by the time I was fifteen, um, and I was doing uh, a lot of hardcore, which turned into uh, like deathcore, which then turned into tech death metal. Mm-hmm. And then uh, actually, I actually I got in a motorcycle accident and realized I was not like uh, immortal and uh, yeah. realized I could get hurt and die. And so, so then uh, I, uh, I lost I lost something like 135 pounds. I was, I was your quintessential death metal drummer, right? Big beard, shaved head and a big dog. Mm-hmm. And big bike. So lose. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I really believe there's something about being a fat guy playing drums and it, I feel like it lubes the joints in your fingers. I think there's something to that because when I, I'll tell you, when I lost the weight, I played my last gig with my, my tech death metal band at the time. And, uh, I was, I mean, mind you, I was playing big sticks, you know, three A's. I was playing a marching head on my snare drum, basically Oof. all these sorts of tools that are not easy on your hands. And now I'm blasting, you know, uh, at, you know, 200, 220, 240 BPM for a half hour, 45 minutes. And, and so I had pain in every joint, in every finger on every hand, both my hands for three days. And so I told the guys, listen, I can't, I can't play this anymore. And so I refocus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took more lessons than I'd ever taken before. Uh, I've taken like six drum lessons in my life. <laughs> so I took two or three lessons at the time to just really focus on technique. And I wanted to figure out how do I play drums in a way 
that will physically allow me to do this until I'm old. Right. And for, for me, it meant, uh, it meant leaving uh, metal and this sort of thing behind and refocusing to groove. So now I'm listening to players, uh, you know, quintessential group players, um, Charlie Watts, Steve mm-hmm. Jordan, um, these types of musicians. Uh, one, I talk about Jason Tate all the time. He played for a band called The Weaker Thans, and he plays with Bahamas oh, yeah, now. Yeah. And, um, you know, these are the kinds of drummers who aren't playing flashy, you know, stuff or like an Eric Moore where there's like, you know, gospel chops everywhere. And, and it's not to take away from those drummers because those are drummers I've always admired. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's to say that because I want to play drums in a way that allows me to play for a long time, uh, I uh, decided that I was going to focus on groove and playing drums in a way that totally and completely serves the song so i'm trying to get out of the i'm trying to be the glue for the band but i'm not trying to necessarily be any sort of you know pomp or flash and so uh yeah you know basically that's that's the journey right as far as getting to instagram it happened after that point mm-hmm. i quit playing and i quit playing in bands uh about five years ago when i got sick and basically focused all the energy i had on uh playing uh, in a studio setting i had my own little home i've had my own little home studio since uh i've been i played drums uh actually a guy found me on instagram to hire me to play drums and i played on everything from uh uh slot machine soundtracks to movie soundtracks and disney park show soundtracks so that's all been uh because of my time on instagram and then today uh it's blossomed into um i i do work uh, contracting for different drum companies. Uh, I work for uh, Franklin Drum Company. Um, I've helped with their rebrand from Risen Drums to Franklin uh, mm-hmm. on everything from the branding and uh, to uh, marketing to uh, even talking about uh, what their proprietary shell should look like because I have this sort of, uh, you know, very, very deep knowledge in drums uh, to working with individuals like Michael Urbano, the dude who played drums with Smash Mouth mm-hmm. and Third Eye Blind and Cheryl Crow on all these songs and records that we know and love from the 90s. And I've been so fortunate that uh, my career has come to a place now where these are these sorts of people and the sorts of company that I keep and I get to do some, some real work. Um, I was actually uh, just on the phone with someone who I was, I was telling about... Um, Recently, I was talking to another drum industry friend who he, he was like, man, Tim, like, you're really an industry tastemaker. And I thought, tastemaker? What the heck? I just I play drums in my basement and, and I, I review yeah, like there's tons of chips. Us, and, yeah. You know, <laughs> I just I, re, I review chips and cookies at night and play drums in the morning. That's what I do. And full time gig. You know, it, yeah, I guess so. And, and uh you know, but it was uh, it was just so nice uh, to hear that, you know, because it really made me feel like all of these years of just busting my butt have really put me in a position where I'm able to have a, a, a real voice in our community for our and in our industry. And uh, that feels really good. It's you know, I've been playing for 16 years now. I've been playing uh, I've been playing out mute. Uh, in bands for 20 years now i've been playing music i i got my first drum set when i was three 
So, you know, I, this is, this is, we're going on three decades here of, of doing this and it's just been amazing to just see, uh, everything flourish so much in the last few years. I just feel so, so grateful for all these opportunities, whether it's working with these companies or literally just sitting down and having a conversation with you while you're, you know, while we're half a country away from each other. Yeah. Well, I was telling, um, I was telling Jose, uh, I think the drumming community is, has a, I don't know, a certain wholesome quality to it. So from, from what we can tell, you seem like a great ambassador for it. So congrats. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's Thank a good you group. so much. We were talking about the, the hacks and, uh, you know, it's like Tommy Igo's um, out pulling strings to get Dorothea Taylor's account, uh, you know, unhacked and all this stuff. And, you know, it's special. And we don't hoard knowledge. It, it is. So, yeah, you're you a great know, representative. Something, uh, thank you so much. I, you know, something I feel is so special is just the sense of community we have. And Jose is a, is a great uh, ambassador for that as well. I've known Jose for five-ish years now. And we followed each other on the internet longer than that. And... Uh, Gosh, what a friend. Uh, we, we've hung out at uh, one of the places we've hung out uh, uh, besides, you know, in, in Portland is at the Chicago Drum Show. Mm-hmm. And, and, and one story I love to tell that, that illustrates just how much of a community this is uh, versus other instrument players is that uh, for the last five-ish, six-ish years, the Chicago Vintage Drum Show has been in this... Uh, expo center that's separated into two sides and so one side same weekend one side is the drum show the vintage drum show and on the other side is a vintage guitar show mm-hmm. and they're both very popular shows and the uh the atm for the drum show is on well i guess for the expo center period is on the guitar show side and you know i'm at a drum show i'm going to spend a ton of money filling up my car with as many drums as i can fill in it right that's what mm-hmm. you do and I needed some extra cash, so I had to go to the ATM on the guitar side. So I run over there, and uh, now as I'm leaving the drum side, you hear a crowd roaring. You hear laughter and conversation, people hitting drums and cymbals, and just, I mean, it sounds like a party. And you go over to the vintage guitar show on the other side of this expo center, and it's quiet. And people are looking down at the floor. They're not talking to each other. You could hear a pin drop and nobody looks like they're, they're happy at all. They all look so miserable. And I think, if anything, that moment there taught me just how different our community is. And whether we're in an expo center with two, three, four, five hundred of us together looking at old drums and drooling over this stuff or... If, uh, you know, we're on the internet, if we're on Instagram, sharing videos, sharing photos, sharing stories, um, you know, it just illustrates Mm. that, you know, the guitar community feels more uh, to me like a competition, you know, and and it it feels so divided. And what's so nice about our our little drum community is that it's united. We're all in it for each other. Um, And uh, I think that's one of the reasons I continue to play the instrument it's one of the reasons that i continue to post it all on instagram is because it's it's not just for me it's it's for all of us you know you're right we are the best even though it's not competition <laughs> um yeah do you feel like uh you know so actually this is a, this is a, like a weird overlap of of internet video genres is um i can't think of the 
I can't think of uh, this person's name, but the drummer who does the the video clips and whatever. Like we got so we get, and yeah, he play, basically plays along to the video clips, right? Um, movie clips, whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. That I can't. Guy, he's out in New York. I forget yes. his name, but I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he yeah. The Ratatouille one. He got real famous for. Yeah, timing. I mean, comedic timing. So, uh, do you ever think about the overlap, really, in your own, uh, to be fair, you know, odd niche that we got going on here? I like to think, there's there's a couple things that come to mind. Um, You know, first and foremost, I think the biggest comparison that people tend to make with me is, like, they say, oh, you're doing the thing Fred Armisen does. And uh, I'm a big fan of Fred, everything Mm -hmm. he's done, um, whether it's stand-up for drummers, Portlandia. Um, or uh, that drumming, the fake drumming instructional. Oh, yeah, he did, he, he did that. Killer. So funny. And um, <laughs> there's a funny story about Fred. One time I got a, uh, a text from Jose, uh, and, and Jose was like, uh, hey, uh, hey did, did, did Fred reach out? And I, and I thought, man, who the heck, what Fred do I know besides Armisen that, that Jose would know? So I said, do you mean Fred Armisen? And Jose said, uh, yeah, 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 he was asking for your number. And I said, oh, my gosh, he's asking for my number. No, no, he hasn't reached out. And then Jose said, yeah, yeah, he's all, he was wondering where you live. And so I just think it's so funny. Now I like to tell people Fred Armisen's trying to figure out where I live. But um, <laughs> Yeah, that's great. You know, it, it's really cool because, you know, Fred to me is the funny guy who plays drums. Mm-hmm. And and the identity that I try to foster for myself is more drumming center. So I try to be the drummer who's also funny. Mm-hmm. And as far as bringing in these other sort of niche types of content, you know, when I look at that drummer uh, doing, you know, Foley artistry, basically, yeah, yeah. you know, sound effects over a Ratatouille scene or a dis you know, whatever other Disney movie or this, that, or the other to me, is it cool that it's on drums? Yes. You know, it's another entry point for someone who's a non drummer to say, well, this is really interesting what he's doing with this instrument and to bring them into the community. I think that is, is incredibly important. Uh, but what I would say is I, I think, you know, I was talking about the comparison or uh, kind of how I look at my drumming now versus when I was a kid. And, you know, I, I aim to be more of a musician. Now I'm playing for the music and on Instagram, we have guys who are chopping out all the time. And I like to say that they're drummers. It's yeah. drumming centric. And when we get to this level where it's someone who's on a drum set doing fully or whatever they want to do with their drum set, I think now we're entering a realm where it's beyond both of these things. And now it's just an entertainer. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so I guess that's kind of how I explain that. It's not to take away from it, but rather it's to celebrate it because it's on a general, it's on such a general level that now this person might reach a a six-year-old kid who loves the movie Ratatouille. Mm -hmm. And now that six-year-old kid is going to be like, I love Ratatouille, but I also love, whatever the heck this guy's playing on, you know, whether it's a, a drum with sticks or brushes, a cymbal, you know, it's like, what is this? If that's going to inspire that six year old kid to go and pick up a drum set, then I, I'm wholeheartedly going to celebrate what this guy is doing. That's true. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's I guess that's what I think about that. Well, you know, I just I really appreciate the overlap of uh, those two talents too. You know, however we want to cash out, it's a uh, it's funny. It's you know, drummers are a type. It turns out that some of them are also these interesting other types too. I get a kick out of it. Well, and that's that's the thing, right? You know, it's it's like when we talk about voice, right? You know, some people when they talk about voice, they talk about the difference between uh, Gunnar Olsen uh, talked about this. I think it was on a Dromeo Gab episode. It might have been on another podcast, but he was talking about his experience playing for Bruce Springsteen in the studio. And um, uh, Bruce is in there, and there it's Gunnar, Bruce, and this engineer, and they're going through take after take of other drummers. Here's the here's the Steve Jordan take. Here's the Matt Chamberlain take. Mm-hmm. You know, all these A-list drummers. And, and and the difference between these takes is voice. You know, we're able to speak with our instrument. Um, and uh, that voice extends beyond our uh, our ability on the instrument. Uh, we're we're more than we're more than just drummers. And so yeah, I talk about this a lot too. It's just like if you're going to be on social media, whatever you're creating needs to be authentic to you. You know, there's already a thousand guys out there who are doing these chop style videos. So mm-hmm. if you're the guy who has interest in drumming and foley art, and you want to make this freaking video about I don't know playing uh, spoons over the Lion King or whatever, like dude, do that. Like if that's you, do that. And I think uh, again, it's uh, it's just another reason to celebrate each other whether it's as a community or the uniqueness of the individual rather than to uh you know even go so far as to chastise someone for like you know this isn't this 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 isn't real drums there's there's merit yeah there's there's merit to all of these things and gatekeepers i mean that's why we're on social media right it's the the hudson you know hudson music the dvd people whoever you're DVD manufacturers, your book manufacturers, your uh, broadcast companies are don't matter anymore. We can all, if you have a phone, uh, you can take a video and you can put it out there and you can make a name for yourself, which is just such a, a, a blessing, I think. It's true. Um, and you're, uh, I guess, I suppose you were referring to recording too when you said you barely take any lessons or you're DIY. Uh, oh, yeah. Is that, that's all. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Teach yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, dude, I got a. Uh, I remember when I was thirteen, uh, I went into the music shop in town, and I asked the guy in like the recording section. I was like, "Hey, you know, I'd like to start recording at home. What do I do?" This was in two thousand and three, and the guy said, "All right, listen, you're gonna go out back, and I'm gonna hand you this Tupperware container. You're gonna give me ninety bucks, and you're gonna get this this recording thing." And I said, "All right, whatever, let's do it." And uh, it was a, a four-track cassette recorder, and um, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I, I remember I recorded my friend's band, and the way I did it, this is how it started. I plugged a guitar into a distortion pedal directly into the four-track. Then I plugged a bass directly into the four-track. Then I had a rip-off you know, SM58 mic, like a $5 microphone, Heart, you know, that, that's we're going to patch that in there, and then we're going to put one mic in front of the drum set, some you know, cheapy mic in front of the drum Worst set. Which one you got? And then, and then you're all going to play at the same time. There's no, we're not overdubbing vocals, everybody's in the same room, just go. And it was the worst crap you've ever heard in your life. It was terrible. 
but uh, you got to start somewhere. And thank goodness for YouTube, because from there on out, that's how I learned uh, so so many different techniques. I was in a band with a guy for two or three years who was uh, I, I'm very fortunate that he showed me so many different other uh, kind of techniques and, and these sorts of things. And and other than that, it was all all trial and error, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and just kind of. Yeah, I guess that's it, really, is, is that's it's, it's as DIY as you get. Learn as much as you can on YouTube. Get as much knowledge as you can from your friends and then make it your own. And that's that's really what I've done the last five years with my little basement. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So eventually you moved on to digital, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, I <laughs> Dude, yeah. Uh, let me clarify. Yeah, let's hear it. The four track recorder went went away by the time I was about, I don't know, 16 uh, well, no, 15, because me and my buddy had a recording studio, and I was that age in his basement. And uh, we, we knew this guy. He built uh, – I had a pool at the house here when I was a kid, and he built the deck for our pool. He built the deck for this other kid I grew up with. Who, And then we hit him up, and we were like, hey, you know, Mr. Gehring, can you can you help us build a recording studio in, in Andrew's basement? And he's like, he, sure enough, God bless him, this guy had a uh, – a, a really nice double or triple pane window so it wouldn't have a ton of sound come through and that was our window between our uh, live room yeah and our control room we made a little uh duct system so we could run cables in and out of the the room it was amazing and uh and we learned a lot doing that obviously we pirated cubase we pirated waves plugins you know it, this was back when you could you could pirate waves yeah, like and i kid West. you not it, yeah you could pirate waves and it wasn't like a huge file. I, I, th- I think it was 2.3 megabytes was the torrent size for all the Wave plugins in 2004. It's too funny. And, uh, you know, that's that's where we started as far as digital. Uh, you know, I went from all the standards, the Personas FirePod and the audio box up to, you know, basically just building my way up to what I've got now, which is... Uh, you know, I run a couple Universal Audio Apollos, which is basically professional grade uh, digital recording, and I've got eighteen channels. I can run sixteen different microphones at a time, and and uh, I've got thank goodness I I worked a corporate job for a while, and before that, when I was in college, I worked at the guitar shop, so I've got every mic and cable and stand I could ever need for a lifetime, and uh, and that's how I'm able to to make the videos I do on Instagram. You got one. You got enough for like one vocal mic, right? So you can do do snack uh, that, snack reviews. At least, yeah, you know, I, yeah. Thank God, <laughs> you know, thank God, I've got at least one channel extra to put a, a vocal mic on, so I can uh, yell at the world about my feelings about brownies and chips and cookies. Cool. Um, do you have some? Uh, I got some. All right, we're gonna do we're gonna do the fast version of annoying drummer. Questions. Oh my gosh! Are you ready? Wow! Here, here it comes. Here it comes. Uh, drum sounds. You actually you mentioned. Uh, well, I guess you had you had your shift to uh, to quit thinking about you know extreme music as your as your end goal. You got into yeah groove music. So I feel like that's a part of the mature you know maturing phase. And along with it comes usually, especially if you're you've been recording yourself. An appreciation of good sounds. So, hit, of hit us with some of your uh, maybe early and kind of perennial, you know, interesting drum sounds. Some of the evergreen uh, drum sounds I like to talk about. Um, 
Jason Tate on all of the Weaker Than's discography, mm-hmm. um, both from a perspective of arranging and composing, but also from the perspective of production. Um, incredibly creative, incredibly cool drum sounds, raw and beautiful, 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 beautiful stuff. Um, something else I like to talk about is, and this is a more recent record, that's from 2015, is uh, Believe I'm Going Down by Kurt Vile. Um, you have, um, is it Stella Mazgawa? I think that's her name. I got to Google that. I think it's Stella. Stella, Ma- yeah, Stella Mazgawa. From Warpaint. Uh, right? War- right. Yeah, from Warpaint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she is just, not on- again, not only a player who I really dub a musician, even being a, a, over being a drummer, but what's so beautiful is, is she is so uh, considerate about the way she approaches tones for a song. Uh, there's some, some great YouTube videos of her discussing that sort of philosophy. Um, great, great, great drummer. Uh, who else? Um, Jay Belrose, another drummer mm-hmm. I like to listen to because um, now here's someone where some of these other drummers might take, especially like Jason, might take miking into account. Uh, really, Jay takes in this kind of time capsule approach. Like, yeah. Um, you know, you know, drums from the 1930s, symbols that are almost a hundred years old. Yeah, the, the playing swing them era with, stuff. Yeah. Yes, and, and and approaching drumming in such a way that it it is uh, authentic to the way people did this in in that time. Um, and so, uh, you know, whether it's a player who uh, is able to make these sounds in any room under any mics, or a player who wants to dictate tones based on uh, uh, drums and and everything with a couple mics, or someone who wants to go so far as to say, I'm going to do the drums with these certain mics, and then I'm going to, you know, I want to hit a, a a a beer bottle with the room mic over here. You know, it's any of these levels I think are worth studying, and and those three in particular are are worth every second of your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw this video of uh, Jay Bellarose playing with the, I think it was like a low boy. A snare and a, and a bass drum. It's like crazy, crazy. Um, you know, you you could listen to it and have no idea because <laughs> everything that needs to be there is there. Yeah, so, of course. Um, okay, great stuff. Do you have a uh, well other favorite players growing up too? From that, or I guess from I'm more interested in the you know your kind of mid mid career shift, like big yeah, well b- b- people b- you before. Got, got you know, really, even today, I always go back to in the metal world is Naveen Koperweiss, who played drums with a band called Animosity. Uh, I believe he played with uh, Animals as Leaders for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know. I, someone just told me who he's playing with now. Entheos is the name of his band now. But the big band that uh, I listened to him with uh, is a band that he composed the drum parts for, which is Animosity. And if, if you listen to those records... Here's a guy who's approaching death metal from uh, an approach that's unlike anybody else. Uh, it sounds like he's voiced in gospel chops. It sounds like he's voiced in uh, Prague. Uh, and he takes a, a voice to the drum set that sounds like no other, whether he's playing prog metal or death metal or hardcore with a band like Hoods. Um, very, very, very incredible voice. And that's what I've always sought out is these drummers who sound like themselves regardless of uh, the musical situation they're put in. 
Eric Moore, another one of these drummers, uh, even though I do focus so much more on the musicality now, I still love to play with chops. And so uh, Eric Moore is an example of someone who I love to listen to because uh, I remember going to see a hardcore band in, oh gosh, it must have been 2007, 2008. Uh, it was in Chicago. Uh, and my older cousin took me and we saw um, Suicidal Tendencies, Madball, and, and, and some other band. Um, wow. And I remember uh, it was really cool because uh, Jay Weinberg was playing drums for uh, Madball on like one of his dad's like 60s Rogers, like vintage drums that should be used <laughs> for like jazz, which is amazing. Everybody's and like, then, I, yeah. And I didn't realize that Eric Moore was playing with suicidal tendencies because then they get up on stage. And again, this is the early days of YouTube. And I remember having seen, uh, this would have been 2007, 2008. Yeah. And I remember in, in 2003, that was the year Eric Moore won the, the Guitar Center drum off. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they had made a video for that and put it on YouTube. I remember watching that over and over again and just watching this guy rip and rip and rip now here he is in front of me and i know him as a gospel drummer and i'm watching him rip and rip and rip over like this hardcore thrash crossover band and it was just like wow it still sounds like him it's still appropriate you know it's high energy and the fills sound appropriate in this context mm -hmm. so it, it was a way for me uh it's especially that night to say that um particularly in a live situation, there is a place for chops uh, that feels uh, that can feel authentic to you if you voice the chops in a way that sounds like you and that feels appropriate within the musical context. So mm -hmm. that's that's a couple other guys that I always, especially both, both of them, uh, musically, Naveen, performance-wise, Eric, all the way. Cool. Yeah, great stuff. And yeah, you're right. I mean, patterns are here or there or wherever but uh yeah if it's sensitive to the music it can be a very just a very interesting take you know and you can you know inspire yourself however you want with some of that stuff and it's, it's cool to hear it orchestrated yes. um yeah cool stuff um what else do we got i got a lightning round for later but i'm gonna save it for later <laughs> some food some well, we got stuff. food stuff good. Oh yeah. If well, if you're okay with it. No, oh, I'm What's happy with. I'm happy to talk food. Yeah, dude. Um, oh yeah. So you were um. Talk to us about the uh, about MySpace era, Tim. Uh, <laughs> if you would oblige. Did you find? So, you find? No, no, no. Did no. you but, find me? No, but I know if you were playing extreme music and we're talking about early YouTube. I mean, come on. I mean, listen, I'll tell you this. I was in, uh, there, if you go to my thing where I show like all the old bands I played with. Yeah, that's, and that's what I remember. I remember what I'm thinking of. I, I, I remember um, when we were on MySpace, my, my metalcore band. Um, it was, you know, the cool thing was like if other bands like, you know, would write on your wall or something like this. And I remember we worked, we were at that studio that me and my friend built. And we worked so hard on like an EP, so hard. And, and we put it out. And I remember um, 
despised icon, which was still one of my favorite death metal, like techie death bands, Alex Grind, uh, who was the drummer at the time and now is playing drums with them again. One of my favorite metal drummers to watch, especially on the earlier recordings, uh, songs like uh, MVP, um, just insane drummer. Uh, anyways, they, they their account commented on our our MySpace page, put a, a note or whatever on our MySpace page, and said like, "Yo, this is sick uh, for our new de- our new EP," and it felt so good. Yeah, that's awesome. For someone to say that you know it's it's amazing to think that. Uh, it's it's kind of like now. I feel like that fell off when Facebook happened. You know, in MySpace, yeah. bands were able to communicate with people, were able to communicate with bands again. All these pages were on an equal footing. And then Facebook kind of took that away from us when they introduced pages. Yeah. And thank goodness, you know, Instagram is this entity again now where whether you're Joe Schmo or some famous guy, some famous company, some famous band, everybody's on the same level everybody can comment on everybody else's thing and so you know if uh you're some kid and and pearl you know let's say pearl drums comments on your post and it's like yo that's you know your pearl snare sounds great or whatever you know these are the little moments the little interactions Mm -hmm. that stick with people you know this myspace thing happened when i was like 15 16 yeah and i still remember it but yeah it was i mean just pivotal for all the reasons you mentioned Totally, totally. So, yeah, that was that was MySpace era, Tim, right there. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, yeah, how, how many people wouldn't be where they are in terms of continuing with their instrument had they not had the opportunity to have some yeah, random there, strangers, you know? Somebody surprised oh, puts you, you in their top eight or whatever, and that can make your day, especially if it's a band you like. You, but, cut, out, I, you, cu- you cut out for about five seconds. I lost you there, but... Um, oh, well, no. Yeah, I mean... Sorry about that, but no, um, you know, yeah, but basically I guess it's to say, yeah, it was, it was just ridiculous, you know, whatever it was top eight, gosh, I forgot about that. Or, you know, a shout out in the comments or, you know, a message too. It's just, man, it was wild west, dude, wild west of the internet. Yeah. Just like with the, the wave plugins on LimeWire and (laughs) yeah, what a, what a, what a time, dude. Um, yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I had to add, you know, metalcore. It's like lime wire. Um, but they were, they were good times. And yeah, it was kind of, it kind of opened up what we have now. It's just, yeah. 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 Um, well now that we have, uh, Instagram, do you have any favorite drummers that you found out about through Instagram? Since I suppose you're technically somebody that I found out about and you know, lots of people are in that class now cause that's how the medium works. But um, what is uh, you know, there's there's one guy I'm, I know his name's Adam I, I don't remember Schne- is it Schneider the dude who plays like 50s he's kind of like Jay he does the Jay thing because uh, um, you got all the, all the the calf skins on yeah everything. yeah I think I do know who I you're talking that, about I think it's Schneider uh, or Schreiber yeah um, I feel so bad I don't have my phone on me otherwise <laughs> I'd be able to look him up we'll fix um, it in post he, you know, yeah, there you go. Put put like a like the Microsoft Sam voice or whatever. Yeah. Adam Schreiber. But you know, it's like uh, you know, that's another play. I look for unique voices, especially in groove. So watching a dude do what he does, both as a player, uh, as a tech, you know, teching his own drums, and as a producer, you know, figuring out how he wants to mic these things, EQ them, compress them. Incredible tones, incredible beats coming out from 
from that guy's home. Uh, and I think he, too, I think he's only about 28. Um, who else? Um, yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's also, whether it's like, you know, companies too. Uh, I like to see what people are doing, uh, as far as building drums. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been, I've been working with Franklin drum for a while now. I love what they're doing aesthetically and the way that they're customizing these things, whether it's hardware wise or with the shells. Um, I, I love what firehouse drums is doing. I've been working with that guy now for a little while. Uh, wonderful, wonderful builder. Um, you know, for me, it's not just about the playing, but it's about the gear. Um, and I know we don't like to talk about gear too much on this podcast, but it's just to say that, um, you know, for me, I've gotten to a point now where, uh, it's the intricacies of the gear that matter to me and in, uh, allowing me to, to speak with my voice on the kit. And, uh, I, I know I'm, I, it works for me, uh, but it's still exciting to see, innovation mm-hmm. um well we got uh we got because, DIY you know, makers now too yeah sorry um, we do you know guys like nikki moon ray burn i've worked with ray before i've owned some of his symbols um it's incredible sounding and stuff. people who are importing too it's 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 very interesting one of my favorites uh that i, I like to talk about and again something i originally on through uh instagram i think it was through revivals page uh, and eventually being able to play them at the shop and to meet the uh, the brand owner, Tim Ennis, is uh, Cymbal and Gong Company. Yeah, those are incredible. And uh, they're great. Built in Turkey. Uh, with a, I believe they have a dedicated factory uh, who was building a different brand for a while. Uh, and they might still do them. But I'm pretty sure the guy who's building them now is dedicated just to Tim's cymbals. Um, and uh, they're built in such a way that, you know, you can get an old, an old A, an old K, uh, an old 602, what, whatever you want, or something that's completely different. I remember, and this is that. Here's a big reason why I love that company is it's the details. So I remember when Jose wanted to have, or uh, Tim Tim approached Jose about having Revival Drum Shop signature symbols made, mm-hmm. and one of them was basically a couple rides and a, a set of hats, and the set of hats was going to be three different 15s that Jose loved to kind of intersperse. Mm-hmm. So we sent them off to Turkey and, and they were going to, you know, model all these symbols off after Jose had. And, and, and one of the symbols, one of the, the hi-hat symbols had a crack in it. So Jose had that crack drilled out. And I remember in this original run, they got the prototypes back enough. The symbol maker went so far as to drill out the 15, the same way Jose's was. So it's <laughs> like, my goodness, you know, but it's like seeing this stuff on Instagram. It's the stuff that, uh, whether it's the history or just knowing that it's something for a friend of mine, story itself that can be, you know, amazing or funny or whatever. It's uh, yeah. These are the things that sort of attract me to different uh, pieces of content on, uh, on Instagram. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well that's, this is a totally approved gear talk as long as it's cool stuff. Right. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Pre-approved gear talk. And yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's as accessible as ever. Um. So oh, so t- actually, I wanted to hear more about your, uh, what you're doing in terms of, I guess design, design and promotion with Franklin and. Um, talk more about that because that's, kind of like the big, big third area. You're drumming. You're recording. You're getting into construction too. I mean, I feel like marketing's almost. So, so for- 
you know, you got to do it. Marketing is yeah. a big part. Uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I, 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 the person I just got off the phone with was, it was a, it was a job interview for a, for an, an industry company. So, uh, whoever's listening, uh, say a little prayer for me. Uh, but uh, you know, it's, uh, it's to say that, you know, I've always been working, uh, I've, well, I've been working with drum industry companies for years now. It's been so fun. And, and it's because I have this historical knowledge of, of drums period. You know, when I worked, I worked at a guitar, uh, a, a used and vintage guitar and drum shop for five years. It's what got me through college. And uh, part of, you know, some of my time there was wrenching on old Ludwigs, old mm-hmm. Slingerlands, old premieres, fives, you know, these drums that were built from different woods and different materials and literally not just in different states across our country, but in different parts of the world. And, you know, uh, you become so familiar with what every what uh, with the strengths and weaknesses of all these different shells, whether we're mm-hmm. talking about drums that are made in the '60s, the '70s, the '80s, the '90s, or the 2000s, and um, having that knowledge, along with having this understanding of branding and marketing, uh, based on on my professional experience uh, outside of the drum world, um, and combined with this incredibly niche. Uh, interest I have both in the drums and the playing. I mean, it's all my experience culminates to make me a, an interesting candidate to, to bring a, a, a unique perspective to any, any drum type situation or music type situation. And, and so working with Franklin has been really interesting. Um, I guess a, a good example could be the kit that they're, they're building for me right now. Uh, they approached me about building some drums and, uh, I wanted to do something that uh, I, I shouldn't be able to do. And I wanted to recreate uh, Ludwig's Lud- Ludwig had a, a series in the seventies called the standard series. And basically mm-hmm. it was like cheaper drums and they had these really funky colors and, and funky finishes because I think they were basically trying to attract kids in the same way that other cheaper manufacturers were, but, you know, I want the drum set that looks like a bumblebee or the really cool bright blue drum set mm-hmm. instead of the, you know, dull pink drum set or whatever that some other manufacturers making. So they had a finish called Lemon Strata, which basically looked like a bumblebee. It's a good one, yeah. It's great. And we tried, uh, I wanted to recreate that. First, we tried hitting up Delmar, who's the company that makes uh, basically the, the wrap, these finishes you can put on drums. And, and they basically told us for that particular style, like a Strata style finish, you'd have to order a hundred sheets, which is astronomical. Um, so we couldn't, it was, you know, it wasn't, we weren't able to do that, but we found a guy who could recreate it in paint. And uh, the finish is gorgeous. The test drum turned out good. And so the way, so a, there's the history of the finish. Yeah. Uh, the history of the shell is a, uh, it's a maple poplar shell, straight shell, no re-ring. So it kind of pays homage both to Slingerland's five ply shell yeah. And uh, to Gretsch's uh, three-ply or six-ply shell with no re-ring construction-wise, um, you know, understanding then bearing edges. How does a drum head sit on the drum? I, I, I said I want my bearing edge to look like a certain way, basically a 45 uh, inner and a round over outer, because that I know is going to sing the way I want and is going to create the sound I want out of a drum when I hit it the way I hit it. And, um, you know, understanding that I want uh, certain goofy sizes. I like, 
I love traditional Tom sizes, so I wanted a 12 by 8 and a 14, 14, but I wanted to do some funky kick sizes. So I said I want a 20-inch bass drum by 12 depth, um, and I want a 16-inch kick drum by 12 depth. And the reason I wanted these sizes is because I think 20 is the most uh, versatile kick size for me. And I wanted the 12 depth because it creates an air column that then feels more like a 22, so I can do more with that uh, air column than I'd be able to do with a 20 by 14. Mm -hmm. So it's understanding you know, how air... Yeah, you understand uh, how air moves inside the drum. The 16, I wanted that because I've always wanted a 16-inch kick that sits on the floor without a riser. And uh, and doing that, now, you know, this is chasing a tone. For me, this is I want to chase some of these bumpy tones that Questlove was getting on D'Angelo Records. Mm -hmm. uh, um, the snare drum, uh, I wanted to pay homage to one of my favorite drums, which is the Ludwig downbeat, which was a 14 by four inch snare drum with eight lugs on either side of the snare. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I have a friend in, in Milwaukee, uh, Derek, who goes by the moniker uh, MKE Drumco. And uh, he's a saint. He fixes all my drums. You ever have bearing edge issues, structural issues, anything like that? This is the guy who's going to fix it. Uh, he's a, he works miracles. And for Christmas this last year, he actually built me a 14 by four, eight lug drum uh very 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 kind uh and now i'm gonna have two of them because they're my favorite um uh so again paying homage to the past um and and understanding how every element of this drum works whether it's points of tension because it's not a 10 lug drum having mm -hmm. eight points of tension changes the whole way that a drum works and uh so i guess i, I hope this just illustrates it's like having this historical knowledge uh uh, being able to have touched, I've, I've owned hundreds of drum sets. I've probably touched five, six, seven hundred drum sets, wrenched on five, six, seven hundred drum sets over the last 15 years. And, uh, you know, having that in my pocket um, allows me to build a drum set that I know is going to perform in a way that I want it to perform. It's going to sound the way I want it to sound based on how I know I hit drums, how I know I tune drums, and how I know I mic drums and produce drums. So I guess I hope that illustrates a little bit about uh, how I approach uh, that end of things. You know, it's really as much as it, it uh, sometimes I think you can really look at it either way. It might sound like science, but it also is part philosophy, equal parts of these two things, you know. Yeah, you know, and drums are actually kind of analog all the way down in a way that guitars are not. Right. So everything, mm -hmm. every difference in the construction translates into a sound difference. Um one hundred percent. Oh, so why not Olive Strata though? Because I know people good. are one, I know I'm wondering. Olive's good. Um, I know that they've actually reproduced that finish for someone before. Um, Del Mar and I, or, I, the, I or the guy out. who's doing the painting. Uh, Del, well, Del Mar for uh, they did. I think they did a small run for somebody at Ludwig. An artist wanted one. Oh. Um, lucky duck, yeah. And uh, a lucky duck and. Um, and I know, so I know there's at least one or two floating out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've, no one's ever done lemon strata again. And I just think that's the coolest freaking fish. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that, that's a cool line for, there's a bunch of other awesome ones, all the, all the stratas. And then there was yeah. a lot of those early stratas too. Uh, there was, I think there was an Italian maker at one point. And so like C and C 
if you ever see any of the really, really, really funky raps they did early on in, in uh, making drums, mm -hmm. the reason they did that is because, uh, well, Bill, Dad Bill, was uh, uh, he was um, a big collector. Before he built drums, I think the money that he used to start his little drum shop and, and building operation was funded by him selling like old, like 30s snare drums, like Black Beauty Ludwig snare drums. And so being embedded, again, I think it's in the same way that I'm embedded here. It's like this love for old drums can transfer, you can transfer that knowledge into building. And so, uh, you know, he put his contacts to work, found a guy in Italy who had these old wraps and you'll find some of these really, really, really funky wraps from Italy, shipped from Italy to the U.S. and uh, very carefully put onto drums here. Very interesting, though. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what else do we got? Oh, so when, when are you getting your drum set? And are, are the downbeats going to be Lemon Strata? Uh, so all those drums are going to be Lemon Strata. Um, and uh, the, I think we're waiting on a couple more shells to arrive. Uh, and then we should be able to finish the kit. So I'm hoping June. I'm hoping June we're going to see those drums. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm excited for you because those are the coolest finishes in drum history, hands down. <laughs> I think so, dude. I think so. Um, okay, I'm trying to think of what else I got for us. Do you have time to do a little while longer? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I got a lightning round. If you if you want to comment on these, that's cool. But I was hoping for a oh, yes, yes or no, you know, gut instinct, um, whatever. So okay, all right, uh, Alex Van Halen or Stuart Copeland? Oh, Alex Van Halen, okay. dude! You ever hear those? Uh, you got to hear those. Uh, there's stems, just drum stems on YouTube, and they're oh god, ear butter. Noted. That means. <laughs> yeah, you'll know. You'll know. Well, no. <laughs> that stuff too. Um, talk about like YouTube and early internet gyms is the isolated drum tracks. But okay, good good choice, good choice. Um, mayo or mustard? I, I the only sauce I can do is barbecue, so we're denying that question. I'll tell you. Sometimes my partner puts uh, mayo or uh, what's that other thing, sour cream, on their plate. I can smell it. From the other side of the couch, and I literally have to leave the room. I can't even do it. Can't even do it. Oh, okay. Well, you got no. You know, we're in South Carolina. You got no argument on our end about barbecue sauce. All right. Good. Um. Did you use a China symbol? <laughs> Man, I've been using China symbols so long. When I I was buying Wuhan symbols, Wuhan Chinas, when I was fifteen. That had a, a a one or a two year warranty. I would pay forty dollars for a sixteen inch china, and it would come with a freaking warranty. That's yeah, how, how, long how many I've reps been do you get? On, do you get on one of those? You, you get about two gigs, and then you're asking for a new one. That's how that works. All year though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I got. I remember. I bought one. Uh, in, it must have been in 2015, and I got four chinas over the course of a year. It was that's amazing. You probably could have done better, but that's pretty <laughs> good. Um, okay. Set or kit? This is one that Ooh. I kind of... I'm not going to give it away. What I, but 
Uh, you know, historical knowledge would say set. Yeah. Uh, I like them both, I guess, for me. You know, so I'm actually, I'm a copywriter by trade. Uh, not like I'm going to copyright this new design, but copy W-R-I-T-E. Right, right, right. So, you know, this is the type of person where a graphic designer is going to make a pretty design for your logo or whatever, and I'm the person who's going to write the words for them. And so for me, it's all contextual. Um, more, more often than not, I'm going to say drum set. Yeah, and that would uh, trap set, right? Drum set, drum yeah, kit. Yeah. Kit's, kit's pretty contemporary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some in the no signaling. Now we know. <laughs> uh, so bass drum or kick drum? Again, contextual. More often than not, I'm going to say bass drum. If I'm talking to a metal guy, I'm going to say kick drum. You self-edit on, based on context? Oh, 100%. Okay, okay. I, well, I didn't... It's not something we talk <laughs> about, but maybe we should. We all Maybe we should. Um, okay. How do you pronounce G-Y-R-O? Oh, my gosh. This is really funny because you know what? We just got this. My, my, my partner has been staying uh, at my place for a while, and I live with uh, my mother dearest and uh, because that, it's a long story. I've been sick for five years. and So anyways, we're here at Mama's house. And she, my partner wanted to do something nice, get some uh, of this meat for the family. And they said, uh, you know, hey, Tim, how about I order some some gyro for everyone tonight? And I thought, oh, God. I said, <laughs> it's gear. I said, it's gyro. And then they go, oh, oh, gyro? I said, I just said gyro. It's gyro. Oh, gosh. If there's a thousand ways to say this, gyro, 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 gyro. Oh, and hero. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was talking to uh, a, a friend, uh, Guy, Guy Licata, who is a, a very Italian Brooklyn man. He's the guy who builds those reflex pads. And I remember I was telling him about this gyro we were having that night. And he's a he's a euro guy. So, I, you know, there's you can say it any which way. Uh, I never know what my partner is going to say. It's going to be one of the five different pronunciations, but you're always going to hear me say Giro. Giro. What did the uh, What did the guy from New York say though? Euro, Euro, Euro. no G. Very interesting. Well, that that doesn't settle anything, but that is very interesting. <laughs> um, what else do I got? Oh. This one's this one's a part. This one's interesting to me for I guess and hopefully to you for all the reasons that you've you've mentioned. But uh, if you had to pick one, Hal Blaine or Jim Keltner? Oh, that's yeah, so I hard. Know. I, think, I know you got to pick one though. You know Hal's great. I love concert toms. They're so fun. Um, but I think when it comes down to the meat and potatoes of what I do, it's got to be Jim gym all day long cool yeah a lot of uh you know non-hi-hat timekeeping yeah lots of layers um yeah good choices <laughs> thank you um well tim tell us about uh yeah what you what you see in your future here there's there's a lot you know i um I, I got on this job interview tonight uh, again with very fortunate to be speaking with it industry company and um uh they were 
asking me, um, you know, how, what do I, what do I see for myself the next one, two, five years? And, and I basically told him, I said, if I get this job, I'm going to be doing the same thing I'm doing now besides that. And if I don't get this job, I'm going to be doing the same thing I'm doing besides that. And, and so uh, I'm, I'm going to keep plugging at this Instagram thing. I've got another round of drumless tracks uh, yep. that, uh, that'll be available. That. <clears throat> yeah, I've got another round of those uh, basically music beds that you can play over uh, with drums. You can use your EAD 10 or any recording software to record with it or just play along with this on your iPad as a, as a really nice metronome replacement. I've released over 600 tracks. Uh, in total that are all available on my band camp uh, and I have volume seven will have I think 136 tracks or yeah volume eight I don't even know what volume I'm on maybe volume eight the goal is I want to get to by the time I'm done with volume 10 I want to have over a thousand tracks and I think then I'm safe to say I'm done making them <laughs> oh. and uh, yeah you know I, I, and 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 then uh, beyond that uh, the other thing I want to do in the near future is I've been talking about making uh, an, an online masterclass like video series for forever, and uh, I'll probably be doing that in the near future, which will be videos on how I play, how I record and mix, and how I approach social media uh, and branding. And uh, I'm hoping to have that out by the end of the year. We'll see. It's a, it's a big, big, big task, uh, but it's something I wanted to do forever. I teach lessons uh, mm -hmm. and I, I do, you know, consultations, obviously. So like whether you want to learn like, Hey Tim, how do you do, how do you build fills the way you build fills or how do you, uh, you know, make drum sound the way you do on recording or how do I build my Instagram channel? Uh, these are the types of things that I love speaking with people about. And these are the things that I, I really enjoy. Uh, um, discussing you know like really just like brainstorming on especially branding and and so I, I hope to help more people by having the sort of universal uh master class out there and i hope to expand uh teaching as well so that's kind of it's kind of the big picture stuff so we'll see we'll see what happens cool yeah um but more more drumless tracks at least for a little while right will you talk about how you got started doing those and maybe some of the reactions you've had to it. Cause I think they're great. You're right. I mean, they Thank serve as so great much. metronome replacements. Um, they're musically interesting in their own right too. Like very much so. So we talk about That's how you so guys started nice. doing them. And, Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, basically it's uh, you know, I started making these things for fun. Um, and you know, I'd take like a sample and then I would play guitar and bass and keys and percussion or whatever over them. And I'd be able to pump out eight or 10 at a time. The first volume, first two volumes are really low count track wise. Um, and and I, I only made them for myself at the beginning and then someone else wanted them. So I put them up on Bandcamp for free. Um, and and then I switched to sample based for volume, volume three. And um, from there on out, it was just like, I was able to pump, you know, 100, 125 plus tracks uh, uh, fairly quickly. And it's, it's a great tool for me. It's like, you know, we can only play for, to a metronome for so long. And this kind of goes back to my philosophy of try to be a musician over a drummer. So it's like, uh, I, I feel very fortunate. A lot of really great drummers have championed my work. Um, Mario Kellier, uh, you have uh, Dan Bailey from Father John Misty, uh, mm -hmm. Steve uh, Mizamore from uh, Dirk Bentley, uh, 
Dirk, Dirk Bentley's band. And um, Dan just recently posted, uh, he was discussing like, what do I do when I, you know, when he has a day where he doesn't have a recording session, but he really wants to play. And he says, he'll put on my tracks and he'll use this, these music beds, these drumless tracks as a way to, uh, he'll try to build a song out of these eight, 16, 32 bar loops, you know, on drums. And, uh, so it's really about, uh, not just about practicing, uh, um, chops, which you could over these things and not just about practicing group, which you could also do over these things, but you can go so far as to practice your musicality. How do I, how do I arrange my drums in a way that fit into this entire composition, all these different musical elements in the music bed. Um, so that's basically that. And, and the reception has been great. I mean, even today, I think there were about 10 or every single day, actually, really, it's, it's insane. 10 to 15 different people are posting videos with these drumless tracks. And I just feel so fortunate uh, that they've been received so well. Uh, it's been purchased in every single continent except Antarctica. So if anybody <laughs> knows anybody in Antarctica who can hop on Bandcamp and pay me a dollar for this, I will gladly uh, uh, send them, I don't know, uh, a, a karaoke video of their choice, uh, which I also do silly karaoke videos or whatever they want, because then I can say I've sold it in every continent, but it's just, just crazy. It's been really, really cool. And again, it comes back to just being part of this community. It's just so nice to, to give something to the community that, uh, people are sing singing the praises of this stuff on Instagram, Facebook groups, Reddit, and even the old like drummers world forums uh, all yeah. over the internet, YouTube. And, and it's just, uh, man, it is just so cool how widespread uh, this is of, of a thing. This has become, it's just amazing. Yeah. I'll say um, it's kind of wild the way you could, kind of adjust your feel over time you know if even trying to duplicate yourself after a while this stuff will get in your brain and you sort of play stuff that you you couldn't have imagined playing you know yeah and yeah yeah which is not always the case with the metronome right so uh, yep yep um yeah well great stuff we appreciate you so much tim um thanks for doing what you do I like to. I have a few people I like to cite when I talk about how great the drumming community is. You're one of them, because um, I do think the the sort of democratization of of knowledge has been sort of the coolest thing about growing up being a drummer and sort of seeing it blossom. So, um, yeah, yeah. Thank you so well, much. Yeah, man. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, this has been such a nice chat. Um, and I, I appreciate the kind words so much, man. That is incredibly kind of you. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you to all the listeners. And um, if, uh, if anybody wants to, uh, you know, look at my ridiculous content or check out my drumless tracks, uh, I would encourage them to uh, check out my Instagram, which is Timbo from Kino, T I M B O F R O M K E N O, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, thank you. Oh yeah, thanks Tim. Yeah, yeah, Timbo from Kino. He's probably already in your Explore page. Uh, vintage drum connoisseur. 
self-recording <laughs> wizard comedian thank you so much tim awesome. um thank you yeah and good luck in the future hopefully i'll get up to one of these shows at some point um would love to check out the vintage drum show in chicago one day but you know times being what they are we're just hopeful that it happens i guess right yeah, yeah, I know they're doing it this year. Uh, I don't feel really comfortable doing that. So hopefully the next couple of years, if uh, if anybody makes it up to the Chicago Jump Show, and I hope you're included in that, uh, holler at me and we'll uh, we'll shit we'll eat some freaking hot dogs and popcorn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe uh, have a pie off. Oh, dude, yeah, I'm down for a pie off. If anybody wants to get in on the pie off action, get at one of us. Yeah, Jump Show, be there. All right, thanks so much, Tim. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Have a good night. Bye. All right, bye.